Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to direct your attention to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, and verse number 25. It says, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. And verse 28 says, And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. And then skipping over a couple of chapters, a few chapters to the chapter number 46 of the same book. And verse number 9. The same book, Ezekiel chapter 46 and verse number 9. Amen. And again, I want to encourage everyone to bring their Bibles to the house of the Lord. Amen. This is a place where you bring your Bible. Amen. Amen. We bring our Bible to church. But when the people of the land shall come before the Lord in the solemn feast, he that entereth in by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the way of the south gate. And he that entereth by the way of the south gate shall go forth by the way of the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate whereby he came in, but shall go forth over against it. And just for a few moments this morning, I'd like to talk to you about a new heart and a new way. A new heart and a new way. Amen. Let us set set our Bibles down and let us ask the Lord one more time to talk to us. Amen. I believe that God wants to move in this place today. Amen. Let's bring into captivity every thought, every distraction. And let's just put our minds upon him for a few moments. Let's lift up our voices. Lord, we call upon your name right now. God, I bind every spirit of distraction. I bind every hindrance that would come against this service right now. I pray right now, Lord, that as we lift up our voices in this place, that your spirit, God, would begin to come into this place more prevalently, God, more powerfully, God. Lord, with the... God, with more authority, with more unctioning, with more anointing, God. God, we bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We cast down every imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We praise you today. We magnify you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God bless you. You may be seated today. Hallelujah. The Stanford University School of Medicine wrote, had an article listed on their website last year about a particular subject that we read about here in the Word of the Lord. And it goes like this. For 30 seconds on the afternoon of January the 6th, 1968, in an operating room at Stanford Hospital, two human hearts lay very still in two separate basins near the unconscious body of a 54-year-old patient. 
and time froze. We both stood there and stared into this huge empty cavity for a good half a minute, said Edward Stenson, the uh, medical doctor chief resident at the time. It was a magical moment, he said. The young surgeon was assisting his mentor, Norman Shumway, MD, PhD, chief surgeon, and who had just removed Mike Kasperic's diseased heart in an effort to save the retired steelworker's life. It was the first attempted heart transplant. It was the first attempted heart transplant of an adult in the United States. One of two hearts diseased beyond repair would never beat again. But the other, if transplanted into Kasperic's chest within the next hour or two, could start up again and save his life. It was an outrageous act that was being followed with bated breath by the world as a frenzied press corps camped out in the hallways of the hospital's basement and they issued moment-by-moment reports. That surgery was nearly uh, 51 years ago and it captured a moment in history when transplantation of a human heart was so hard to fathom, so bizarre, it was considered shocking, almost indecent. The heart, more than any other organ, holds a unique place in the public imagination, seen as the seat of the soul. The heart, seen as the seat of the soul. It's seen as the symbol of love and compassion, the heart. For those pioneering surgeons and cardiologists using the steel-beating heart of a brain-dead donor was just common sense if it gave a dying patient a second chance at life. And the words that was written here at Stanford University School of Medicine got my attention. And it said it like this, one of the final sentences in the paragraph said, Sick, sick hearts must be replaced with healthy hearts to save lives. Sick hearts must be replaced with healthy hearts to save lives. This particular individual that was uh, on in, in dire need of a heart transplant, his heart was beyond repair. They could not, the surgeons could no longer open up his heart and fix valves and move things around in his heart. But he reached a point in his life when the only thing that would help to give him continuity of life was having a new heart. Amen. The old heart had stopped working. The old heart had given up. Amen. And the only hope for this individual was a brand new heart. Now, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to fathom uh, a human heart detached from someone's body. You look at your own body in the mirror, you feel your own chest, and you feel that heartbeat of uh, that heart that's pumping blood at whatever beats per second, and it's it's working overtime, and it's 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 pumping blood throughout your body. And it's hard to fathom that that heart in your body could come out and could be transplanted into another individual's body that needed it. Technology and innovation has increased to the point where uh, some 51 years ago they were able to do this to the point where this individual that received the heart transplant lived an extra 14 days of his life. What would you give for an extra 14 days of your life? 
knowing that you were at death's door. Amen. I'm sure every one of us in this place today, amen, would fight for one more day of life, one more breath of life. We would do everything in our power to see uh, go a little bit further in life and enjoy another beautiful sunny day. Enjoy a beautiful uh, time with friends and family. Another day in God's presence, in God's house. And we would do everything in our power to to have another chance at life. And this person, his only hope was having a new heart so that he could live a little bit longer. And it was a uh, game-changing operation. It allowed uh, for other uh, cardiologists, other surgeons to attempt the same feat and to be successful and to increase the technology. And it, it paved the way for more success in this particular type of operation. And I believe that God wants to give somebody in this place today a brand new heart. Amen. Amen. And the only way that God is able to do that is if you relinquish the old heart that you brought in this place this morning. Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, the book wherein we read this, this morning, this afternoon, Ezekiel, his special mission was to those among whom he dwelt. Amen. Ezekiel's purpose uh, that we we read here in the in the Bible in the Old Testament was he had to convince the people of God's utter uh, distaste or abhorrence of their idolatry and the sure and of the sure and irrevocable doom of those who practiced it. Ezekiel had to call out the sin with which the people of God were engaging in, and he had to make sure that the people identified. Yes, the way in which we're living is sinful. The way in which I've been living is is anti-God. It goes against the, the Word of God. And for you and I to ever get to the place of God to begin to work on our heart, we've got to first acknowledge my situation is not ideal. My situation is it's going against the grain of the Word of God. And I need something in my life. That particular man that we opened up this message with this morning, he had to come to grips with the fact that my old heart, my old ways of doing things is not going to cut it if I'm going to go a little bit further into the future. The old heart, the old life, the old the old heartbeat, it's not going to continue to happen for me if I don't relinquish the old and allow that new thing to come into my body. Ezekiel first had to convince the people of their of God's displeasure uh, and God's uh, abhorrence of their sinful ways. And the, the second thing that Ezekiel's purpose was, was he was trying to to show the people of God that the situation that they were encountering with, that they were dealing with was a was in the perfect plan of God. Because the people that Ezekiel wrote to, that he spoke to, they were in a particular time of captivity. And perhaps uh, as they were in this time of captivity, they, they wondered and they doubted if this was God's will. If God saw them, if God was still in control, why are the Chaldeans, why are the Babylonians, why are they oppressed us, why are they over us, why are they reigning over our lives? And Ezekiel was trying to show them that the Chaldeans or those oppressors were being used as instruments of God. Amen. They were being used as instruments of God. Can I tell you today that some things that are happening in your life today, some things that you're encountering today in your life, God is allowing things to happen in your life so you can reach 
now. God will allow certain things to come into your life, into my life, so that we can recognize and we can know in our heart of hearts that it's only by the grace of God that I'm going to make it through this trial. And you've got to come to the point in your life where you recognize the only way I'm going through this is if I relinquish the old and I reach out to God and somehow my trials were meant to make me strong. My trials are meant to make me strong. And they're, they're brought on by God so that I can look up to Him, so that I can reach out to Him and I can depend upon Him. Hallelujah. Ezekiel had many other purposes. He had had to destroy the presumptuous confidence of the people in external privileges. He had to open their eyes to a truer sense of the nature of the divine promises. And finally, uh, another purpose he had was he had to raise their, their drooping, sad hearts by unfolding to them the true character of God's plan of God in their life and the end for which it was administered. In other words, God uh, used Ezekiel to speak to people who were downtrodden, who were downcast, and he, he used Ezekiel to speak to them and say that if you allow God to work in your life, the glory of the latter temple will be greater than that of the former temple. And if you allow the, the, the trial to have its course in your life and you reach out to God the process, God can work out for you something far better than what you ever imagined possible. The captivity was not simply a divine judgment. It was more. It was also a preparation for a better state. Amen. The trial that some of you are in this morning, the the struggle, the temptation that some of you are in this morning, if you allow God's hand to, to continue to work in your life, amen, it will bring you to a place where you see I, uh, the, the fullness of God's promises in your life and the unfolding of more that God wants to do in your life. And you'll see that the church is not an a, a organization, an institution of, of do's and don'ts and boundaries and rules and laws. Amen. But it is, it is that thing that gives you uh, some sort of... Uh, a place in which to live. It's a pattern to which to live, but it also gives you the freedom to experience all that God has in store for your life. It was Ezekiel's job to direct their hopes to God. He was to set before his, his countrymen the prospect of a restoration reaching far beyond a return to their native soil. It's not God's will that you that God just restore what you lost. You say, well, I'm here today and I've lost a lot of things and, and I've been dealt a bad hand and whatnot. It's not God's will just so you can have back your job at Taco Bell. It's not God's will so you can have back your relationship with your abusive boyfriend or husband. It's not God's will that you can get up and be bad, be good enough so you can you can drive that old that old low rider or whatever. You're not going to go back to the old things. Yeah. But God wants to take you from where you are and and take you a whole lot further than you ever imagined possible. But at first, uh, you've got to recognize and realize uh, I need Him, and God, if I allow Him, will work everything out for my good. He'll work it out for my good. And the very condition that the people of God were in in Ezekiel's day, their, their condition was intended 
to stir their hearts towards God and awaken their thoughts towards Him, as well as point them to a time when the gospel would be preached. You see, in the time of captivity that the people of God were dealing with in Ezekiel's day, God wasn't just... God didn't just have on his mind Solomon's temple or or Herod's temple or whatever next temple was to come. In the mind of the the Jewish people, maybe they thought, well, when God delivers us and God works in our lives, we'll have the old temple back. We can go to temple and we can have the priest pray for us and we can have this and that. But God was thinking a whole lot further down the road in their lives. Because when God began to speak through the mouth of Ezekiel, God began to use him to foretell the time when the, when the gospel would be preached. God began to speak to Ezekiel about a time when the Holy Ghost would be poured out. And God began to, to, to give more to them. And perhaps they, they heard Ezekiel's words and they said, what does that mean? The Spirit, uh, God's going to put His Spirit in us. What does that mean that God's going to give me a new heart? And God's going to take out the old heart and give me a new one. What does that look like? What does that look like in my life? Verse number 26. The writer says, Ezekiel, God speaks through Ezekiel's lips and he says, a new heart also will I give you. A new heart also will I give you. I will change the whole of your infected nature. When God gives a man or a woman a new heart, it encompasses new desires. It encompasses new appetites, new passions. Those things that, you know, I I, I remember years ago being in an altar and this person's doing well today, they're living for God. I remember being in an altar years ago Next to a young lady, and she had she was backslidden for a long time, and she came back to God. And she made her way to an altar at the conclusion of the service, and she was there crying and praying because she felt God. But still in that place of prayer and, and brokenness before the Lord, she said within herself, I, I can't, I can't. She was crying, she was praying, she was talking in tongues, God was renewing her, but she said, I can't, I can't, I can't let go of the old. I still got these desires, and I still I still have this entanglement and that entanglement. I, I got this and I got that in my life. But you see, when God works in a person's life, and when you truly allow God to work in your life, God will replace those desires. When He gives you a new heart, He gives you new desires. That's right. That's right. You say, "Well, I love I love the I love the alcohol so much. I love the party life so much. I love the the illicit relationships." So much. I love all this stuff so much. I can never let go of it. I can never let go of my favorite TV show, of this and of that. And you go down the line and list it, not realizing that when God begins to work in a person's life, God gives you a new heart, and God gives you new desires, and a new appetite, and a new hunger, and a new passion for the things of God. God does that. In the essence, the essence of salvation is the renewal of the heart. And this is what God wants to do in this place today. God wants to move in this place. But even in a service like this morning, the devil's fighting. The devil's up against some of you. 
And you're feeling it, some in your body, some in your heart. But the devil's a liar. The devil's not in charge. God's in charge. I've heard it said many times, and I believe it, and I'll say it again myself, that the devil doesn't make the rules. God makes the rules. And the devil has to live by them. And if I'll get myself in perfect alignment with him, and, I, and I'll, I'll just be that uh, that person that's just, I, I'm under complete authority, submission, subjection to God's will. I want God to work in my life. God will work things out for me. But you got to relinquish some things. Brother Josh, you got to relinquish some things. you got to lay some stuff on an altar, and you got to never pick it back up again. There's some things you come to an altar, and God speaks to it, and you lay it down. And you say, I'm never going to pick that up again. I'm parting ways with the old. And I'm allowing something new. The problem is that this that this world comes into contact with is they, they deal with the uh, the alcoholic or the drug addict and they they uh, uh, they try and fix the problem that they have, but they're never replacing the old with something new. They say, well, here's a here's a program you can go through, and that's all fine and dandy, but the, there there still is a void in that person's heart and in that person's life. And the only thing that you can fill that void with is is the touch of God. The Word of God has got to fill that void. If it's just a program, if it's just an inspirational quote, if it's just a relationship, it's going to fall short. But if you fill that void with a brand new heart that comes from God, and the Word of God, and the Spirit of God, then you can go into your future with promise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He said, I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll renew your mind. I will renew your mind. I will give you understanding. Amen. I will correct your judgment. I will refine your will. Amen. So that you so that you shall have a new spirit that will activate your new heart. Because even once God begins to touch a person in an altar and they cry tears of repentance and, and they're saying, God, forgive me. I'm turning away from my sins. Still that person, they may have a new heart, but no spirit to operate it with. It's like having a, a brand new car. And, you know, you remember the, the story everybody's heard of Oprah. You get a car, you get a car, everybody gets a car. And everybody's happy and they're excited. But none of the cars got gas. And so you sit there on the side of the road. And you say, I got a car, but I can't drive it. It's the same thing when, when God gives you a new heart. And then God says, now let me give my spirit on the inside of you. So that you can take that new heart. And you can impact your world. And you can affect change in your family, in your community, in your school. God wants to put his spirit to down on the inside, David said this. David said, when the Spirit of the Lord moves upon my heart. When it moves upon my heart. And I believe it was in Isaiah. Uh, it said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. But we're in a time, amen, in the, in the Word of God and in this day, the day in which we live, that it doesn't just have to be upon you and on you, but His Spirit can be inside of you. And God, you can have God walking with you. And God giving you strength to overcome. And so those things that used to mess you up 
God on the inside and His Spirit on the inside of you. Amen. There's power to overcome. The Lord said through Ezekiel, I will take away the stony heart. I'll take away that stony heart. That heart that is hard. In this place today, there's people that are hardening their hearts. They've hardened their hearts to the point where their hearts are impenetrable. Impenetrable. Go ahead, preach to me, preacher. You can affect me. Go ahead, wear your voice out again. Go red in the face. You ain't going to affect me. I'm just going to harden my heart. I've made up in my mind I'm going to do what I want to do. I remember years ago uh, in San Jose, there was a young man. His name was Mike. And Mike had come to God and he was uh, living for the Lord. He was doing strong. He was doing good. Angel. He was doing awesome. And I was proud of Mike. He had a uh, he even had a call of God upon his life, and God was working in his life. But I remember on a particular, I think it was a Wednesday night or a Sunday, it was a Sunday night, I saw him after church, and I was trying to encourage Mike to go forward living for God. But in that conversation I had with Mike on that Sunday night, I could tell in the course of that conversation that he made up his mind, I'm done. And so don't try to encourage me anymore, Brother Nate. I'm done. You know, you, you, you ever feel that in your spirit? You're talking to somebody, you can tell they've already checked out. That person's made up their mind already there. They're not going to do this. They checked out. They made up in their mind. I'm, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And the hardened heart, the stony heart, says, okay, that's enough. That's as far as I'll go. I'm not going to go any further. Preacher, don't tell me about my sin. Preacher, don't tell me about my uh, my coldness. Don't tell me about my stony heart. I've hardened it. The Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. In the process of him and Moses interacting and engaging with one another to, regarding the deliverance and the future of the people of Israel. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And I pray to God that I never get to a place in, in my uh, reaction, in my relationship with God and my interaction with God that God hardens my heart. And suddenly the preacher can never get through to me. Suddenly uh, the preached word of God falls on deaf ears and on a stony heart because I've made up in my mind I'm never going to let the people of God go. And the Bible says that, uh, amen, that this people had a stony heart, but God was willing, God was willing to help them even through their stony, cold, hardened heart. And God was willing to give them a brand new heart. God said, I'll take away that stony heart that's whole, that, that's hard, that's impenetrable, that's cold. Amen. The, the affections and the passions are unyielding to my spirit. Amen. They're unaffected by the heavenly things. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we find ourselves, amen, being unaffected by the preaching, being unaffected by the word of God. We've got to watch and we've got to examine our hearts. Am I getting hard? Am I getting cold? Am I getting jealous? Or when the preacher preaches, do I still preach with him? Do I still get excited about the preaching? Do I still get excited about the things of God? Hallelujah. The word said, I will take away the stony heart. I'll take it away. 
I will remove entirely that old heart. That sounds like a heart transplant, if you ask me. The individual in our opening story did not, did not, he never did have the option, Caleb, he never had the option to keep both hearts. Well, I like this old heart. It's been with me since the beginning. He never had the option. You know, I'll keep my old heart. Let me put it on a shelf. And I put it in my put it in an urn, put it in a glass jar, and we'll look at it. Keep the old. No. In order for that procedure to be successful, there had to be entirely removing the old heart. Entirely removing the old. Entirely removing it. Because you cannot have the new heart and the old heart at the same time. You cannot live for God and live for the devil at the same time. It's got to be all or nothing. You got to buy in. You got to buy in. You got to say, I want this whole thing. And I'm not stopping short of everything that God has for me. I want it all. I'm going to tell you today, there was a parable in the word of God where the Lord told about a particular man that found a field and this field had treasure in it, Brother Nathan. It had this, this most valuable treasure. And the Bible says that that man, he, he saw that field with all its vast treasure, with all its vast wealth and importance. And he went back to where he was from and he sold everything that he had to record it. And he said, I'm going to buy that whole field because of, of that one treasure that's in the field. He sold out everything else that he had. He said, out with the old and in with the new thing that God wants to do in my life. I'm going to buy that God's reaching for somebody here today. And God's saying, you've got to let go of the old life. And you've got to allow me to give you an entirely new life. A brand new heart. It's a scary thing. If I had to go on Brother Miguel for a heart transplant, I'd be having everybody I ever knew in my entire life pray. Because I want this to go successful. But you know what? If, when you're on the on the waiting list for a heart transplant, you're praying every day. God, your prayer sounds like a the prayer of a, of a repentant sinner. God, give me a new heart. No, God, really a new heart. I need a brand new, like you know, thumping, blood flowing heart. I need a real thing, God. That person on that wait list knows and they recognize, Sister Felicia, I need that heart. If I don't got that heart. In me, in two years, I'm gone. But somehow we can come to church and we can reason in our mind. I can go to the five, ten years with this old man, this old woman, this old heart pumping just the way it's been for so long. I don't need anything that God has for me. 
But I'm going to tell you today, amen, you and I, we've got to have God. And without Him, amen, we're, we're walking out on God. Without Him, it's all over. We need Him, my friends. We need Him. I want us to lift our hands. And I want us to pray right now. I want this church to lift up their voice and to call upon the Lord right now. In the name of Jesus, we're calling on you right now. Lord, we're asking you, Lord, for the touch of your spirit. We're praying, God, that your spirit, God, would grab a hold of us and would never let us go. We need you. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. He told Obo Koshatalara Bosha. Hallelujah. Ora Katalala Kosotolo Bosha Talala Masata. He told Oko Dele Koshata. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The old heart is an evil heart. It's a hard heart. The old evil hard heart is one that doesn't respond to the call of God. That old evil stony heart hardens itself every time God gets close and hardens itself and doesn't respond to the call of God. That old stony heart that Ezekiel prophesied about, it didn't perceive spiritual truth and it didn't feel godly influences and neither did it respond to heavenly voices. It is inflexible and it is immobile. Amen. It is a hard heart. Amen. That God has to replace if God is to have his way in our lives. And it is a it is a life-altering heart transplant that's got to happen in somebody's heart in an altar like today. There's got to be somebody that says, I've got to have a brand new heart on the inside. A brand new heart on the inside. The old heart is cold. It doesn't respond to the influences of God. And most importantly, a stony heart is a dead heart. A stony heart is a dead heart. A stony heart is a dead heart. The heart is the most vital organ in the entire body. You can keep on living with being brain dead. You can keep on living without your right arm or your left leg uh, or your, your ear or your nose. You can keep on living, but take away somebody's heart and they cease to live and they're dead. Amen. But give somebody else a stony heart and he can say, I got a heart, I'm alive. No, you're not, friend. It's a stony heart and a stony heart is a dead heart. But if you give that stony, dead, hearted heart to him, he'll take it and he'll give you a brand new He'll give you something that you can't do for yourself. Souls that are dead in trespasses. Amen. Souls are dead in trespasses and sins. According to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1. Amen. So many times. And everybody in this place today, if we're honest, we all fear a future death. I'm afraid to die, Brother Miguel. 
If I walk out to that street and a semi truck flies by, I'm gonna, my heart's going to be racing. Oh my gosh, I almost died. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I'm afraid to jump out of airplanes because I think I might die even without a parachute. My brother had me do that a few years ago. I thought I was going to die. We don't want to die. Brother Josh says a lot of times, why do you jump out of a perfectly good airplane? Skydiving, exactly. We don't want to die. I want to live. We fear that future death that's coming, all of us. The Bible says it is appointed to man once to die and after this to judgment. It's appointed to man once to die and after this to judgment. We all fear that future death, though. I hope I got a long life ahead of me. I hope I live to a ripe old age of 100. If, I, if it's still pleasant, you know, I can see it and hear and all that good stuff. I hope I live a long, full life. I don't want to die. I, I'm afraid of a future death. Nobody wants to die. But the Bible teaches that there is a present death of godly souls. There is a present death that many of us have succumbed to. And Ephesians 2 and 1 says those are the souls that are dead and trespassed and sins. As long as you refuse to live for God and you, you, you choose to live in the old life of sin, you are dead in your sins. You've got a stony heart. And God wants to redeem somebody today. As long as you're in this place today under the sound of my voice, there's still hope for you. There's still hope for you. The Lord said to Ezekiel, I will give you a heart of flesh. It is a new heart. And there is no, because there is no cure in the old heart. For John chapter 3 and verse number 3 says, you must be born again. You must be born again of the water and of the spirit. To be in Christ is to be a new creature. Thus Christ gives complete renewal. Amen. It's only in him that we have that life that we need. The only hope that I've got for a spiritual heart transplant is if I give my heart to Him. That's why we, we give altar calls, service after service, and we say, give your heart to Him. Because what happens when you and I come to an altar with a mic and we give our heart to God, and we're, we got our hands uplifted, and we're saying, God, here's my heart. I'm giving it to you. But somehow, if we could see for a few moments that God, even as high as he is, is up there. He said, I'm going to give you a new heart too, son. I'm going to give you a new heart too, daughter. I'm going to give you a brand new heart. Give me yours, and I'll give you mine. Give me yours. That's broken. That's hard. That's cutting. That's dead. And I'll give you all the flesh. I'll give you a heart that can still cry. A heart that can still love. A heart that can still be tender to the presence of God. But God wants to give somebody a new heart. The only way it happens is you come to this altar. You say, God, here's mine. Take this stony rock heart. Just cruel heart that it can be. Take this life. I got a dead heart. I'm in a dead man's body. 
I'm in a dead woman's body, God. I'm spiritually dead in my sins. I need hope. I need help. I need answers. I need a new heart. I need something that only God can give. I want my heart to be tender, amen, to the presence of God. I want that old coldness and hardness to be gone, the pride, the stubbornness, amen, to be broken down. And I want my hard heart, amen, to be melted in the presence of God. And I want God to touch me. I want to feel Him. I want to know Him. The softening, the softening of the heart and spirit is the is an essential part of conversion. That's why so many times we're in his presence and we come to an altar or we're lifting up our hands in a, in a chair. And we're talking to God, our eyes are closed, and we've got our hands up, our minds are upon him, we're talking to God. And suddenly out of nowhere a tear begins to come out of our eyes, down our cheeks. And we begin to get choked up, we begin to sob. <laughs> God's melting some stony hearts. It's the first sign of God wanting to put a new heart. And God's taking the hammer of his word even right now. And God's, God's hitting it against the hard places of our lives. The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah that thy word is like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. The only hope for some stony hearts is that the word of God keeps swinging at it. And the word of, and the preacher keeps preaching. And some people they get offended and they walk away and they leave and they say, Man, that preacher's just nailing me every time I come. Hey man, I'm gonna tell you that word, the word of God, this book right here, it's like a hammer, and sometimes it hurts. But it's the only thing that will help us to get from point A of this town firm to point B in that heaven where Jesus is. And the only way is if the word of God works in my life and I succumb to the influence of his presence. That new heart that is a living heart. That new heartbeat. When my little girl was first born in that hospital room almost a year ago, that was a true love at first sight. Amen. And I remember they had that baby hooked up. Or the first, I remember actually taking it back further. We went in for the, uh, is it called an ultrasound or sonogram? Ultrasound. And they put the, uh, the little sticky things with the wires, right? I'm a guy. The sticky things with the wires on, on, on my wife's belly, and they're finding the baby. And, and all of a sudden you hear across the screen, you hear the heartbeat. Wow. It, it's, it's got life. It's real. It, it's got a heartbeat. And that was at several months. It's real. But you hear that heartbeat. And, and you, you, you can sense, you can tell, you, can, you know for a fact there's life in there. It's not some blob of tissues. It's not some fetus. It's a real human life. It's a baby. It's, it's, it's developing. It's got a heartbeat. I can give a heart. And it, it kind of baffles the mind. You think, wow, how could life be formed from within somebody and then eventually come out? And, and that's how all of us got here. But it's a heartbeat you hear. 
And God wants to give somebody in this place a heart that beats for the right things. A heart that beats for the right things. And when you talk to individuals, you know where their heart's at. When you talk to certain individuals, you know exactly where their heart is. I've got a friend, and, and I'm not afraid to tell every time I uh, every time I talk to him, he wants to talk about, uh, and I don't have to talk to him anymore because that's all he wants to talk about. But he wants to talk about girls, 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 girls. Bro, there's other things that exist in the world. He's all about girls, 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 girls. I had to sever that relationship. But you, there was no mistake in this guy, his heartbeat is women. But what happens when people talk to us? Do they get the sense that it's Jesus, 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 how good God is? Yes. Or do they get the sense that, you know, I, I just love cars. I, I just love purses. I just love shopping. Those are, those are fine. But what is our heart beating for? What are we living for? Verse 27, as we continue, we're quickly wrapping up. He says, I'll put my spirit within you. And that spirit that God wants to put within us is the Holy Ghost. You cannot live without the Holy Ghost. That Holy Ghost is for everybody in this place. We need the Holy Ghost. And I will cause you to walk in my statutes. Once the Holy Ghost comes into our lives, there's going to be outflow. If somebody comes to church on a Sunday morning like today and they feel God and God touches them and they walk out and they go to the exact same regretful, disgusting, filthy sin that they came in with, we were all questioned. I wonder if they really got the Holy Ghost. I wonder if that person really got a hold of God. What happens? Did they really get a spirit? But when you really get his spirit on the inside and you get full of the Holy Ghost, and God's spirit begins to move in your life. There is outflow. And people see it in you. And it will, it will be the thing that causes you to walk pleasing before the Lord. There will be evidence of his spirit within you. Not, it's not just as many churches preach a mere believing on Jesus. It's not just a one and done, once saved, always saved occurrence that happens in church. I accept the Lord as my personal Savior, and so I'm going to go forth and live how I want to live. It's getting His Spirit on the inside of you and allowing His Spirit to, to guide you and to direct you yes. and to show you what you're supposed to do and to, yes. and to preach to you and to, to break your hearts. That's not pleasing. Stop doing that. Start doing this. If you really allow the Holy Ghost to get in you and that new heart of flesh to work in your life, there will be some outflow. And finally, I uh, conclude with verse uh, chapter 46 and verse 9. It talked about that we should not, the person that comes into the house of God shall not return by the way of the gate wherein he came in. In other words, if you came in from the north, you've got to leave in the south. If we had that uh, practice, that law in this place, we all came to this front door over here on your, on your right. In the Old Testament, they may come in through that door, but they all had to leave through that door. Or if you came in through that door, then you had to go out through that door. That was the principle of the Word of God. And that wasn't there for just uh, God just being picky, God just trying to uh, just kind of throwing curveballs at the people. God was trying to teach the people that you do you don't leave the same way you came. Yes. There's a new way you can walk when you get out of here. That's right. You don't want to go out and alcoholic again. 
You don't have to go out a drug addict again. You don't have to go out and adulter again. A lie and cheat. You can lead a different way. You can lead walking a new way. Because God doesn't ever leave a person the way that he founds them. It's not God's will for you to stay in that same rut month after month, week after week, day after day, year after year. But it is God's will. It is God's will that you leave different and that every time you come, you come looking a little bit better and a little bit stronger and a little bit more faith. And God doesn't want to leave us the way that he bounds us. Why don't we stand to our feet in this place today? There's three stages, or several stages, I would say, in this redemption plan that Ezekiel brought forth, beginning with verse 25, continuing to verse 28. He said those words, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you will be clean. There first must be a cleansing that happens in our lives. There first must be a cleansing. If you are to get a heart transplant and you go to the hospital, I am sure they would go through a number of steps and procedures with you to make sure this person's clean, their body's washed off, everything's prepared, you didn't eat food, and, and you're, you got water diet and all these things, and, and you're making sure that you're clean. So you ever had a colonoscopy, that horrible thing that they have to do from time to time? They make you drink this drink. It's called Go Lightly. And it's anything but Go Lightly. You can read between the lines. But they're making sure before we go in there and work on your colon, everything is out. Everything's clean. We, we washed, if you were, if it, as it were, we washed the colon. We, we washed it. It's clean. So when we get in there, we can operate. We can see what needs to be repaired and what needs to be cauterized and so forth. The cleansing of sprinkling water. Uh, that, that, that process that Ezekiel talked about, it, it's a cleansing. The, the second thing he mentioned is a new heart will I give you. It's that renewal. God wants to renew somebody in this place today. Yes, he does. Yes. And the third part is he said, I will put my spirit within you. Hallelujah. But finally in verse number 28, where I want to close today. The reason, like I said from the very beginning, it's not that God wants to restore your old lowrider, God wants to restore your old beater, boyfriend, or whatever else, but God wants to give you something better than what you came in here with. God wants to give you something better than what you came in here with. This people that Ezekiel prophesied to is dealing with the captivity and all of these things. And and God began to tell them uh, in verse number 28, you're going to dwell in the land that I gave your fathers. In other words, I'm going to give you back dominion. The devil's not going to rule your life and kick you around like a kickball, like anything else, but you're going to have dominion. And now when the devil comes against you, he says, pick up that bottle of alcohol. Pick up that pack of cigarettes. Pick up that old uh, drugs. Pick up the phone and call that old old boyfriend, that old girlfriend, whatever else it would be. Dominion. A person with dominion. Says, I'm not walking that old way no more. God's given me power. He's given me authority. 
I don't have to succumb to the old temptations. I can live in victory. You don't have to live bound to the demands of this world. You don't have to live bound to the demands of your flesh. And believe me, the flesh makes some demands upon us. You don't have to live, amen, bound, amen, to the demand, to the demands of society and of Hollywood that says this is how you're supposed to live. You can have dominion. Cleansing and renewal must proceed. They must proceed. The supernatural. Cleansing and renewal must proceed. That part where God puts his spirit in you. God wants to restore in our lives something that we read in the book of Genesis, the very first chapters. We we all read about the Garden of Eden. We think how beautiful, how perfect that was. The Garden of Eden. I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have seen it, what it was like. God wants to restore that Garden of Eden experience into our lives. And the Holy Ghost is what takes us there. A place where we can have fellowship and connection with God. Where there can be order in our lives. A restoration of the Garden of Eden is going back to the perfect plan of God. You see, when we were born, we didn't have a stony heart. You can talk to any one of the kids in here. and They're very... Uh, moldable, if you will. You can tell them things and they'll believe you. They want to believe you. They want to, they want to know and trust. Yeah, this person's a good person. My daughter will go up talk to strangers and give people hugs in the store. She just loves people. If I told her that person's bad, don't go, don't, don't go. That's, a, that's a pedophile or whatever. She, she doesn't know. But God wants to give somebody a new heart today. Before we have a call, I'd like us to pray one more time. I, I can't I can't do any more in my in my own being. We need to pray as a church. I'm asking this church to pray right now. And let's pray together. Jesus. Let's lift up our voices. Jesus, we love you, right? Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we magnify you. We glorify you, Lord. Come on, we need to pray right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, their souls hang in the balance today. Their souls hang in the balance today, God. We lift you up in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We lift you up in this place today, God. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. We magnify you. If you like to pray, 
and talk with the Lord. I want you to take your liberty hallelujah, hallelujah, and talk to God. God is speaking to people, individuals right now. And God is asking you yes, to give Lord. him your heart. God is asking for somebody in this place today. Give me your heart. Let's make an exchange. Let's make a trade. Give me your stony, hard heart, impenetrable, unwielding, unyielding to the influence of God. Give it to me. Give it to me today. Oh, come on. I think we need to pray some more in this place.
church to start right there. But there's a God I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I come against every spirit of hell that would find him, that would attack him, that would oppress him. I pray, blood of power, the Holy Ghost. God, minister right now, Lord, new desires, new hope, God. God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, I'm going, I'm going, Lord, I'm going forward again. I'm going forward, God. God, Josh is not going back. He's going forward. God, a new heart today. Renewed in the Holy Ghost. Renewed in the Holy Ghost, Jesus. God, I come against the spirit of alcoholism, the spirit of drug addiction, that oppressive spirit. I come against it in Jesus' name. I find it in Jesus' name. I loose in the power of the Holy Ghost. Deliverance, healing, redemption, restoration, God. He the God.
time they're going all the way with God, I'll never be with God again. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rise again. I'm not gonna be on the, on the, on the sideline. I'm all in or I'm, I'm done. And, and I'm, the thing you gotta do is be all in, all in, John. There's more that God has for them than you, than you realize. God's giving you some desires to play and do other things. That God will help you to hone those gifts. But you gotta get the heart right. That's what I'm preaching with the heart tonight. It's get the heart right. 